Father, we just come to you this morning just acknowledging the fact that, God, you are the one who gave us the very breath that we breathe in. And God, how selfish of us to think that we could keep that for ourselves. But Father, this morning we come as a church before you and we give back the very breath, God, that you breathed into our lungs. We give it back to you. And we worship you. And God, we ask you that you would use us as a people, God, to do the work that you have set out for us here on this earth. And God, I pray that you would empower us as your people to do that. And I pray as we hear your words spoken to us this morning, God, that you would use the very words that you've given Brother Steve this morning, God, to empower us as believers to go forth from this place and to do the work that you've called us to do. We love you. We ask you to speak to our hearts, Lord. We give you the rest of this service. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I always enjoy the times to be able to share with you. I hate it that it's under these circumstances that uh, Lee and Susan are uh, battling the flu, and I believe it's uh, Lee's second go-round with this. So, uh, again, we don't want to take any of these kind of things for granted that once we get sick, it's gone, and we will continue to pray for them. Um, I have an announcement to make, though. Uh, it may come as a shock to some, but uh, I'm done. I've had it. I'm tired of the world. I, I look at what's going on nowadays in the world, and it seems like that there's bad news on every corner, and I want to do something to fix it, but I can't. And I say, what's the use? I, I just, there's nothing I can do, so I'm just not going to do anything. In fact, I'm going to do what I want to do. Um... I've been online lately and uh, found me a piece of property just to the east of Cloudcroft, New Mexico. I bought it. It's got a nice little, you know, wood shack on it and everything. And uh, I'm going to go offline. So when the service is over, if you ever wants my phone, you're welcome to it. Um, I got to take my iPad at least to get there. But once I get there, it's going in the trash. Brought my suitcase already packed. Um, have some of my most precious belongings with me because I do have to have a few things. Um, I've got my signed first edition uh, copies of the complete Harry Potter series, so I made sure I got those. <laughs> got my CDs of uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears and Neil Diamond, and I'm uh, going to make sure I, I'm, I've got my, you know, uh, fine arts covered at that, but I'm done. I, I just, I'm through with it all. Ever felt like that? You know, I've got a big light in my eyes, so I really can't see if there's any nods out there. But I know there are some. I know some of you have had days like that. It's really empty. I, you know. <laughs> and no, you can't have my cell phone. It's going back in my pocket. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know ministers don't lie, but that was a, that was a creative illustri illustrative point there, so we won't go into that. But now, seriously... You know, I've had moments like that, not so extreme as all that, but is the news just not terrible? I mean, I would love for us to have just a moment, we can't obviously, but I'd love for us to have a moment of pure transparency and pure honesty and pure openness 
to tell me what you were feeling last week when the news started breaking of something's happening at a high school in Florida. And then it started opening up a little bit more of what's going on. I went from, are you serious again? To, oh, no, 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 please. Let it just be a few injured at, at the best. And it just, and then honestly, I, I've heard people say this and I've had, I had a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a surge of the same feeling of, I don't know what we can do. I really don't. And just last night, uh, I try not to watch the news at, at night before going to bed because that sometimes is not really a good thing to do with, you know, getting your, your brain ready for sleep and gearing down. But there was an interview. I'm, I'm guessing by the way the person looked, it may have been like a recent graduate of that school, at high school or something. I have never seen such anger and such um, pain coming out of a person's mouth and their face. It was just, it was just staggering. And then we have to come and we have to talk about how do we, how do we deal with stuff like this? So I, I'm going to be, I think, on pretty safe ground to suggest that somebody in this room has had similar thoughts like that. Maybe not literally of just chunking it all and saying, I'm done, but just facing that wall of what in the world, how can I handle situations when it just seems like there's nothing that I can do? And that's what led me um, to the scriptures I want us to look at today. Um, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. If you've heard me speak here before, uh, it's inevitable at some point that I get around to saying something about the Apostle Paul because of the career path that Ann and I traveled down uh, for so many years of being career missionaries. Um, Paul is one of the most intriguing people I've ever encountered without meeting him physically. Um, I, I just love thinking about what he has done, his life that he lived. And so as all these thoughts kind of coalesced into what to share today, I was drawn to the scriptures that are pretty much agreed by most reputable scholars were his last words, his last penned words. And that comes from the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, some of the scriptures are going to be on the screens today. You may want to follow if you have your either electronic Bible or paper Bible. So with that being said, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're not going to read all of the scriptures verbatim, but to look at um, the spirit of what's being said with a lot of them. Four, chapter 4 verse 6 says, for the, says this, As for me, oh, and by the way, we need to, I'm sorry, I should have said this earlier. It always helps just to remind us what's the circumstances behind this. This is a letter to his good friend, his son in the faith, a uh, fellow colleague and pastor, younger person, Timothy. Uh, obviously, Second Timothy, but it's a letter that he's penned to him. He's written him before. And in all of his, the other, two, the other letter and in this letter, there's a lot of encouraging words, a lot of, um, a lot of things to help correct him, keep him on the path and that kind of thing, strengthen him. So now, as he's writing this, just imagine there's this old man who has lived a life that is full of experiences that I, none of us have had. And he says, now as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. And he knew that without a doubt. You see, this was his second time to be imprisoned in Rome. The first time he was under house arrest and he could basically have, 
guests coming anytime they wanted to, but not this time. This time he was in those prison cells uh, underneath the city of Rome, and his death sentence had already been assured. He knew that he was going to be executed. He didn't know when, but he says it's coming near. And then just what a great summation. And this is not the sermon, by the way. This is just getting the stage set. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me. So he, he's telling Timothy, you know, I've done everything I can. The time's coming near. But this is what hits me. As you look down to verses 9 and following, it says this. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. And then he starts reading or listing off people's names. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. And Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. And then he makes just a quick comment about, I, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. I, I read that, and it's kind of like I'm writing, writing, and I give my point to end a sentence. Oh, yeah, I forgot one more thing. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Now, what's so important about this? Except for Luke, he's all alone. He's all alone. Now, if you've heard me in Sunday school when I've taught or when I've spoken here at other times, I'm a firm, strong believer in using Holy Spirit-generated, sanctified imagination. We've got to be careful not to let our imaginations run past what, you know, scriptures might tell us. But I think this is a good place for us to park here for about a few seconds. You're in prison. It's the end of your life. You're all alone. You're all alone. Yes, Luke is with him, but some have deserted him. That's basically what he says happens to, to well, with Demas. Demas was one of the fellow believers. Demas had been with him in ministry, but Demas got sidetracked, and he's deserted him, and he's gone. I think that would have broken his heart. Others, they're gone too, but they're gone because they've moved on to ministry. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Tychicus has gone to Ephesus. Mark, Timothy is pastor, most likely in Ephesus as well. Mark is out there, and so he says, I want to see these people again. Bring Mark with me when you come. And uh, if that triggers a little thought from your New Testament studies, what irony there, because there was one time when he said, I don't have anything to do with that kid. But now the, it's turned completely around. Bring Mark with you. He is really, really helpful. I need him for encouragement. But still, we can't escape the fact that he's all alone. He, whatever depths of discouragement that a person can feel at a time like that in their lives, even as death is coming near, he was there. I don't have any problem at all imagining that that's what the case is right now. But the most important thing is how did he deal with it? Did he just stay in a, a funk, so to speak, or what did he do? Well, he dealt with it. Look a little further on in verse 16 and 17. He makes a brief comment kind of passing as verse 16 rolls through about the first time that he was in prison. And take a quick glance at what happened there. Everyone abandoned me. Everyone 
abandoned me. So it's not the first time for this to happen. But I love it when you have a word like that that transitions from one point to another. Even when everybody had abandoned him, he said, but the Lord stood with me. Simple words. The Lord stood with me. What would it feel like if you are in a sense or in a situation or in a circumstance where you feel like you're all alone, but then all of a sudden you realize, no, 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 I'm not all alone. The Lord is standing with me. He is right here with me. What encouragement that would give me. You know, I could face just about everything and anything if I was absolutely certain that the Lord is standing with me. And you know, Paul knew the scriptures, didn't he? What did Jesus say? I'll never leave you. I'll never turn my back on you. There's where Paul got his strength right there. The Lord stood with me and gave me strength, the scripture says. And isn't this interesting? He's about to be executed. But look at what his strength is supposed to result in. The Lord stood with him, encouraged him, and gave him strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. Man, I have just, and by the way, everyone know, if not, I'll let you know in on this one. Paul, because he was a Roman citizen, was most likely not crucified. That was a standard execution for criminals in those days. Roman citizens were given the privilege of being beheaded. Uh, it was a quick relatively painless death. I've not done that, obviously. Uh, no, wait, that sounded stupid. Of course I've not. But uh, execution by beheading. I just have a feeling here is Paul as he is either tied or knelt or chained or whatever down at the executioner's block, and he is just telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ until that final snick of the of the sword or the axe or whatever, and his, his life is, is ended here. But he was preaching, he was sharing with people about Jesus Christ up to that, that final time. He also mentions right at the end of uh, chapter, verse 17, I believe it is, that he rescued him from certain death. All these are past tense things. He stood by me, he gave me strength, he rescued me from certain death. These are things that had happened to him in the past and were happening to him now and would happen to him in the future. The verse 18 goes on to say, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack. Now, gotta be a little careful here that we don't get ourselves confused. Did that mean, if you were reading this the first time, that Paul, his life was not taken from him through execution? That's an evil attack, I think. No, no. It means that what Paul was experiencing was such that, that he knew that his life was secure. He knew that his position in Jesus Christ was secure no matter what happened to him and it wasn't going to defeat him. And that's how he finishes up that same verse uh, 18. He will deliver me from every evil attack and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. See, that's where it all ties together. Now, every one of us in this room, I hate to... Please don't leave today saying, man, Steve was really morbid today. He was really dark today. That's, that's not my point at all. But you, know, you want to know the truth? Every one of us that's in this room right now is going to die someday. 
The point is, is how do you handle those days leading up to that point? Do you let the things that are coming through life at that time beat you down, beat me down, discourage me, make me want to figuratively pack my suitcase and just go away and leave it all? Or do we go up to that point in life with a sure assurance, absolute certainty that no matter what happens in my life, he is going to stand by me, he is going to be there with me, he is going to strengthen me. He is going to encourage me. And when that time comes, he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Is there a surprise how he ends that verse? All oh, glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want to challenge you to do a little something. If you really want to get deep into Paul, go through his, his works and find those times when it seems like, now he's writing, obviously. He's not speaking. But it seems like he's shouting with his pen because he's saying something and he's saying something and all of a sudden it seems like he's saying it more and it gets more like this and all of a sudden he says, praise God, I just can't believe I can't hold myself in. That's what he does right here. He, he, he just gets consumed with how God is part of him and part of who he is and he just can't hold it back. He doesn't sit there and say, all glory to God forever and ever. No, he shouts it out. And I think that's part of the verbal message that he was giving as he gave his testimony about why he was doing this for Jesus Christ, why he was living his life with Jesus Christ. So that's how Paul handled, I believe, a situation where he, with the exception of Luke, found himself all alone in a prison, knowing his death was near, and yet not letting those kind of circumstances beat him down. Now, I thought for a moment, I prayed through this. Didn't have much time either, by the way. I got the text about Lee being sick on Friday morning. I'm like, oh Lord, we're gonna have to unpack this one real fast. But God is good at that because really these kinds of thoughts had been, had been generating around in my brain. They'd been rattling around for a while. So God put it all together. And I thought, okay, there's a good place to end, but it's going to be too early. We can't go to lunch just yet. Or can we? You, anybody? Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking, all right, there's something about the way that Paul is writing this. It's, you ever had those brain tickles where you're remembering, let's see, now this is connected to something. I've read this someplace else. And then I went, boom, I got it. I remember. It actually comes from a book that if you want to get into a little polite uh, debate, you, would, you, would, might, you might say, well, this is another one of Paul's works, but it doesn't have his name attached to it. Some people think that the book of Hebrews was written by Paul. Others say it was written by Luke. Others say it was written by Apollos. You know, there's, no, there's no way to tell. But there's some stuff here that we're fixing to look at that I'm reading and I'm going, that sounds just like what he wrote Timothy. It sounds a whole lot like him. So whether it was Paul or not, it probably was somebody that was influenced by Paul's thought. All right, so let's look for a minute at, at Hebrews chapter 10 and 12, and we're going to have these scriptures up on the, on the screen here. I'm not so interested about reading through all these in detail and in verbatim again, as much as capturing the sense and trying, for me, it's very helpful frequently if I can take out a lot of the, I wouldn't call them extraneous words, but take out uh, a lot of wording that I can synthesize it down to just the bare minimum of what's trying to be taught, what's trying to be shared, okay? So I can't even see those up there. Yeah. Hebrews 10, 
starting with verse 22, starts out with the words in the, New, uh, in the New Living Translation, let us go, let us go right into the presence of God. But before we get to that, I, I started thinking, all right, now wait a minute, Steve, if you've got this here, why is it here? And then I remembered, this is something that Lee shared with us several, I think it's probably before Christmas. It may have been during January. But he's talking about entering into God's presence. And if you look back just a few verses before, starting like in verse 19 and 20, he's talking about because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, as followers of Christ, as those who have given their lives to Christ, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place. We don't have to go trembling before the presence of God. We can go before the presence of the holy God with confidence. We can go with boldness. Okay? And because of that, that's so, so, so important. Because we can enter into God's presence, then we get into these words in verse 22. Let us go straight into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. And then look at verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. And verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So there's three action statements that are based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. We boldly can go into God's presence. Therefore, let us go into the presence of God. Let us hold tightly to what we affirm. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Ah, but we're not done. Look at chapter 12. Okay. And in chapter 12, again, we start with a premise. And the premise is, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the faith. Okay? We can talk about that some other day. It's an interesting concept. But the truth is, according to this author, we are surrounded by others who have gone before us. These are witnesses to the life of faith. People who have lived a life of faith. Their life on earth is terminated. And now they are like the crowd in the Roman arena and they're eyewitnesses and they surround us. And because of that situation, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And then it continues to there. Now what am I trying to pull out of this? We think about what Paul's solution was from Timothy and his solution was when things are getting you down and you feel like you're all alone and you don't have anything, you, discouragement is on every hand, you look at the situation in our nation, you feel like there's no hope. Paul's solution was keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on God. He'll come by your side. He'll give you strength. He promises he'll be with you. And then from this Hebrews, the Hebrews uh, verses that we read, I call it my salad bar theology. We have five lettuces. Rob, why don't you flash those up there if we can get to them real quick. Let us draw near. Let us throw off. Let us hold unswervingly. Let us run with perseverance. And let us spur one another. And then all five of them. Now there you go. That's not, uh, 
That's not trademarked. That's not copyrighted. You can have it for your very own. There's your salad bar theology. Get it? Let us. Come on, work with me. Work with me. All right, all right, all right. Draw near to God because he wants you to draw near. He wants me to draw near. He doesn't want me to focus on the one level of reality of terrible things happening. Focus instead on him by drawing near to him. You've got something that's hindering you? Throw it off. I mean, he, these, are, these are graphic images. You got something that's weighting you down? Get rid of it. How do I get rid of it? I get rid of it in his strength. And when I do that, hold unswervingly. Unswervingly. I was talking with one of my good friends just a minute ago before church started. We were talking about golf and walking a golf course. And the golf courses are laid out in certain yardage. Well, the true reality is <laughs> in mine and his golf games, if it's a golf course of 6,000 yards, I'm walking about 32,000 because my shots go all over the place. All right? Well, what, what God would want us to do is have a golf course of unswerving. If it's this is your goal, you go for that goal and you don't swerve. You keep your eyes fixed right on where that goal is. And that's what he says when he says, run with perseverance, run with endurance. This is what I remember when Lee shared this portion of Scripture. Run with endurance. How can I run with endurance? Paul said, God's right by my side and he gives me the strength. He gives me the strength that I need to take that race and to run that race with endurance. How do I stay unswerving? Keeping my eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Why Jesus? Because he is the originator and he is the terminator of our faith, the author and finisher. He is the start. He is the finish. Keep my eyes firmly fixed on him even when... The world is crumbling around me. It doesn't mean the world all of a sudden gets better. It means that I keep myself in line with what Jesus Christ wants, and that is the relationship with him. And then how do I deal with the world? Well, that very simple last one. Look at that again. Let us spur on one another to good deeds and love. And one of the scriptures translates it as, Spend your time sitting around thinking up ways that you can spur others onto good deeds. Don't spend your time thinking about the world and the way that it's crumbling. Think about ways that you can spur others on to good deeds. Now, in this context, it says one another, meaning that's in the, in the Christian context. But I want to just take a little bit of a gamble and, and, and say, let's, let's break down those walls just a little bit and think about how we can spur on those non-Christians into love and good deeds. In other words, don't focus on me. Focus on you. Focus on them. How can I spur others on to not going down paths of darkness and evil, but spur others on to love and good deeds? Now, the others don't have Christ in their lives, so it's a bit of a challenge but still, focus on being proactive into love and to good deeds. And when you do that, I think that suitcase will stay empty. I don't think you really have to run away and give up everything.
to keep your eyes focused on him. That's my, you've heard it said, I bet from every pastor who's ever preacher who's ever been before you, you know, the, the sermon starts with yourself first and then you just share what God's been sharing with you. And that's kind of the way that I was feeling. I've, I've gone a little bit over the top. You know, I obviously wasn't quite ready to chuck it all in. But I'm telling you what, it can be, we're all prone to having those moments when we think, I just, I've had it. I just am at wit's end. I don't know where to go from now. I pray that today has been a day that can give you some, some uh, encouragement and strength and more tools to be able to meet that world so that as you come to the end of your journey, you can say, I've fought the good faith, I've run a good race, I've been unswerving with Christ as much as I could possibly be, and to Him be the glory and glory. Amen. Now as the... Uh, Musicians are coming back and the ushers are coming forward. Um, Mike Masiel, are you in the room? Would you stand up if you are? There's good old Mike. Well, no, that's not Mike. That's Greg. There's Mike. He's hiding in the back. How about Kevin? Are you in the room? There's Kevin. Uh, Nathan, are you still here? Stand up, buddy. And Andy Bob, who knows where Andy Bob is? He's probably out. There he is, yeah. These four amazing gentlemen are going to slip out. They've already put their tithe checks in. They're going to go back over to where, gentlemen? To the coffee bar. That's right. They're going to have all the information that you need to know for what? Oh, that was so, so pitiful. For what? All right. Yeah, you're going to get all your preliminary information because everybody needs to get one except, I don't know if we printed that much, oh, ye of little faith. But no, everybody goes this way. Don't go out any other door. Go out by the coffee bar. Get you a brochure. You'll know everything you need to know about the mission trips. You guys go ahead and slip on out and let's sing. Ushers, you ready? Do it. <laughs>